Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Kofefi on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad man Jamma, Carrie Smith. Hi, Carrie. Hi, good morning, Carter. I forgot to say the date. It's Tuesday, October 8th. Or did I say the date? I don't even remember. You didn't. It's Tuesday, October 8th. Yeah, it's Tuesday, October 8th. And thank you for uh, following, watching. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Carrie, you you really want to talk about a particular topic today. I read some of the articles you sent me. But why don't you you introduce it? So can you... Can you pull up one of them, actually? Let's pull up the first one. Uh, the Washington Post? Yeah, let's pull up that, pull up that one. Okay. So I just saw this. There's always this spate of opinion pieces that come out. Whenever you see something in the news that's uh, remarkable, like, uh, like someone forgiving someone that we just can't fathom how they could do that, but we mostly only see it... it when the person doing the forgiving is black and the person that they're forgiving is white, you see the spate of opinion pieces that kind of poo-poo the forgiveness and they're really negative about it. And so I'll quit talking. So this headline shows up. Can you read it? I can, I can even spotlight it if you want so that that should, should work. Um, So this is just, we should give some history. Remember there was the Dallas police officer, Amber Geiger, who was white and, or is white. And she went into the wrong apartment in her apartment complex and shot a black man who lived there. It was his apartment. He was just sitting, I think he was just sitting there eating ice cream um, and just shot him and killed him. And her defense was, I thought it was my apartment. I thought he was an intruder, blah, blah, blah. I guess she was coming home. So she wasn't really on duty. And she just had her trial. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison for murder, which seems appropriate to me. And the victim's brother, um, he basically asked the judge if he could give her a hug and said, uh, if you are, if you are truly sorry, he said, I know I can speak. I know I can speak for myself. I forgive you. Um, and then he tells her, I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that Botham would want for you. So um, these, both the victim and the victim's brother are, are Christian, and I think the victim was actually in the choir. And th- so this is the, that's the background here. But Carrie, the headline of this article in the good old Washington Post is, White Christians do not cheapen the hug and a message of forgiveness that Botham Jean's brother from Botham Jean's brother. Um, so he, I, I love when headlines start off addressing one particular racial group. That's always a great sign. Yeah, it's so it's so they are so racist. I mean, I again, I still it's still on my mind how racist they behave because I was I've still been on uh, Instagram engaging with some of the SJW knitters, and <laughs> they're it's it's funny because I know all their. I know all their tenants. I know what they're going to say next and they don't disappoint. They say the same thing next, but, but they address people like that, like white people, you don't get to speak about this or whatever. This, this article, white Christians, it's that it's addressed to a specific racial group and religious group. And, um, it's so arrogant. Like I, I remember there was this really funny, uh, Eddie Izzard joke about, (laughs) about the apostles (laughs) and his joke goes, you know, it's sort of like, isn't it very arrogant for Paul to be writing to an entire city? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dear Corinthians, or who, you know? Yeah. And so, and that's a funny joke, but this is seriously like this person is writing to white, dear white Christians. Right. <laughs> so it's so arrogant. Anyway, um, he also, okay, so the, the guy, Brant Gene, uh, is the brother. The younger mm-hmm. brother. He's the younger brother of Botham Jean who was killed. He he asked that she not he not only did he say forgave her, he asked he said that he didn't want her to face jail time. Yes, yes. Sorry, I forgot that. Part. Yeah, and then he asked if he could hug her and he and he said what he said about forgiveness and about um and about uh, uh 
Jesus. And so this is not the only piece. There have been several pieces, and some of them have been from SJW Christians, which I think is a misnomer. I don't think you can worship Christ and the SJW gospel. I think you have to pick one. But um, there have been several so-called SJW Christians who've written about this as well. And just the same thing happened after the um, the uh, Charleston church shooting, where uh, that white supremacist, what's his name, Dylan Roof went into the church and massacred a bunch of black people. And then you saw some of the victims' families making statements of forgiveness, which was so moving. And then the same, same thing happened then, just a spate. The Blue Cathedral hates this. The legacy media hates this. SJWs hate this. And so what do they do? Opinion piece after opinion piece after opinion piece, crapping all over it, uh, using it as an excuse to lecture white people, um, here's, here's a paragraph from that Washington Post article. Um, it says, perhaps with just the right amount of compassion, some believe we can erase the color line. We can. This, this is an <laughs> argument I had with an SJW on, in the knitting world recently. She's, she's, uh, she did that whole thing they do where if you, if you talk about how for a brief period in history, we were conquering racism and tribalism by focusing on the individual. And if you look at the words of Martin Luther King Jr., for example, who talked about the content of one's character being more important than the color of one's skin, that was the ideal for many people at that, at that cultural point in, in history. And it was, that was the ideal for, that progressed for a while, I would say. A couple I, decades at least, yeah. For a couple decades, that was the ideal and that was the goal. And then the SJWs came in and have tried to set us back and regress us back to a time when we're tribalistic and we have to look at race and we have to look at people on the color of their skin. Now, if you talk about this with an SJW, they will come in and say, just like this Washington Post writer and just like the SJWs in the knitting world, um, they will say, I guess you believe we can erase the color line. And they'll, and they'll say, get ready for every, I knew everything this person was going to say ahead of time. They'll say, oh, I don't see color, which I didn't even say. Right. Um, but that's what they'll say. And they'll argue because, because in their dark little hearts, They've accepted this this dark ideology, which tells them it is necessary to see color, necessary, necessary to see a person's race, and not just to see a person's race, but that the, their race is one of the most important things about them. That's what they they're taught. Guess who else believes that? White supremacists. <laughs> like they are no different. They are no different. It's just that they've convinced themselves that they're looking at race for good reasons. Well, so Oddly enough, by the way, they, these are also the same people that would argue that race is a social construct. So if it is a social construct, then we should be able to eliminate it through uh, socially reconstructing so we don't pay attention to it. Well, what they believe is, that, and this is what they'll say to that, I'll tell you right away, they'll say, well, if, it's just that there's so many people who won't ever be able to look past race, therefore we can't look past it either. Well, that, that implies that it's not a social construct. Like if they can't look past it, no, no, no. Art. No, they're saying it's a social construct. It doesn't matter if it's social or if it's innate. They're saying people can't look past it, so we can't look past it. Unfortunately, because of all these rubes, because of all these white supremacists. I see, I see. Therefore, we must look at race too. No, you don't. You don't cure racism with racism. You don't cure collectivism with collectivism. You're more, I'm sorry, I'm getting angry. You're not a moron. There's a lot of intelligent people who've been sucked into this. But what you're saying sounds idiotic. Listen to what you're saying. You're saying we must focus on race. Why? So we can stop judging people on the basis of race. <laughs> like, okay. Um, so anyway, uh, this person says, perhaps with just the right amount of compassion, some people believe we can erase the color line. But when another black man has been murdered by a person charged to serve and protect, forgiveness should neither be demanded nor assumed. Now that's a sentence I want to talk about for a second because almost all of these opinion pieces that are attacking this forgiveness, they all talk about white people demanding. By the way, there's everything is wrong with that sentence. Every part of that sentence is wrong. Right. It's a great sentence. It's a great sentence. But, but the, so mm -hmm. they talk about forgiveness as something that's demanded and, and you see it again and again. You can pull up all these different pieces I tagged you in. They are all, the, the pattern in them is A, they don't understand what forgiveness is. They, they keep saying forgiveness shouldn't be demanded by white. Who's demanding forgiveness? This murderer didn't demand forgiveness. That's why um, Mr. Gene's act of forgiveness is so remarkable. 
because it's something that's not deserved or demanded. It's given because of his, he is showing grace there. Okay. And he, and he's showing grace that he believes his Lord and savior has shown him. And that's how he's supposed to live. And it's through God, it's through Christ that he can offer that forgiveness. I don't, I'm, you don't have to be a Christian. I don't believe to, to, to be able to forgive and to offer forgiveness, but he specifically is coming from a Christian point of view. He says that. And I believe a lot of the family uh, members of the the victims of the uh, Charleston shooting were coming from that place too. And mm-hmm. that's a big part of Christianity, which is, which is through God's grace, we are forgiven. We're not deserving of forgiveness. And so th- these people, they don't get SJWs don't get forgiveness. And they also don't get apologies. If you notice, they don't understand apologies because they are always, it's pr- again, they project a lot. Right. And so they demand apologies. They go yep. around all over the internet. They go around in real life, demanding apologies, demanding forgiveness. And so when they see someone forgiving or someone apologizing, they assume it's because it's been demanded. <laughs> right. Because that's the, that's how they get it. That's how they get it. They demand it. I, you know, I also just I want to point out something. The beginning of that sentence even bothers me. Um, this is not a case of a white cop killing a black man. Technically, yes, but right. she was not in the line of duty. This was a. This wasn't like she was out on duty killing a black man. This was a. Uh, I would call it an accidental death, assuming that she's on the up and up and didn't murder him intentionally, but. A negligent accident. Right. This is weird. Uh, wrong, and she should go to jail. Like I, I agree with the verdict. Like she should go to jail for murder. Um, but, but I don't believe she went up there like oh, I'm a white cop here to kill a black man. I right. Think- it wasn't a cop thing. It was a person yeah. thing. She went home to her house and went into the wrong house, went into the wrong apartment. Well, I also don't believe it was a race thing. I don't believe it was a. I, I don't believe it was a race thing. I believe it was. In part, I do believe it was a cop thing because she had a gun on her and I guess she was overworked or something. I mean, when I heard, first heard this story, Lots I was like... people in Texas have guns on them, though. I know, but come on. She's a cop and she's been trained. And my point is that she... When I first heard this story, I didn't go, oh, this is about race. But see, SJW's view, everything is about race. It has to be about race. If this had been a white neighbor that she had killed, they couldn't have gone there immediately. And they would have said, wow, was she on drugs or something? Like, that's what I thought. Is it, was she on drugs? Was she so overworked that who mistakes the apartment above them or below them for their own apartment? Like how messed up? Do and you then know? immediately shoots an unarmed person eating ice cream in it. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I agree with that. I do. I do think though, I think they did find some text messages from her, like between her and other people that uh, sounded Kind of racist, honestly. Oh, well, so, well, they either. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't I don't know that we can say like, oh, she's not racist at all. She might be. I don't know. Oh, the well, I'm not saying that. that. I didn't even know there were text messages. I'm just saying that the facts of the case don't. I right. don't hear that and go, oh, that's a race thing. You know, you hear that and you go, what kind of crazy person walks upstairs or downstairs and thinks that's their. Yes. Apartment? Well, and this is what you're hitting on is this is the left, uh, this is a common tactic of the left. They look at any situation and they immediately ascribe a univariate cause to it. And that univariate cause is the one that pushes their narrative. So in this case, it was white cops shooting black people for racism. That's the cause. The end. Nothing else. That's the cause. That's what happened. That uh, was that's how I, they describe everything, always. That one was cause, one of the- Their cause. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just say that was one of the very negligent things I thought, look, this, I think this cop is super negligent. And I think, um, uh, uh, I think Beto and others were negligent by immediately talking about this. When he was on the campaign trail, he immediately started talking about this as, and putting it in context of race and putting it in context of uh, white police officers killing black people. And, and I think that's um, reckless and irresponsible. And I also think it is, um, dark. I think it's really dark. I think it's like hoping to stoke racial divide for one's own personal gain. Like if I can get elected on the back of making this a, something that it may not be, then I'm going to do it. That's really cynical and gross. That Absolutely. was one of the reasons I did not vote for him. It's also just to be clear, it's also uh, not true. Like if you look at statistics, most murder is intra-racial. So it's black on black or white on white violence, right? Most murder is, is not, you know, 
one direction or another, most, most crime like that. Um, and if you go from, uh, if you do look at interracial crime, it's more often black on white than the other way around. So now that's different from the cop narrative, which is a separate discussion, uh, which I also think is false. But um, just saying like, oh, this is, this is indicative of what's happening in America. White people are shooting black people. That's not true. That's factually false. That's not what ha what's happening. And as Carrie, as you point out all the time, murders are declining. We've gotten safer and safer as a society over the past, what, decade or two. Yeah. Right? You talk about murder rates a lot, and they've been dropping. So specifically, gun, gun deaths have been dropping. So I want to go back to this article real quick and about forgiveness. So yes. the, the whole idea of SJWs don't understand the way that forgiveness works or how apologies work because they don't, they don't, they don't give or receive them in the right way. And so they assume that's the truth for everyone. They project, they yeah. demand, they walk around making demands. If you think about um, all these college campus SJW groups who go, who storm into the president's office with, here's our list of demands. Who, who talks like that? Terrorists talk like that. Like <laughs> we have the airplane. Here's our list of demands. Like that's how they talk. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So anyway, they walk around demanding apologies. They walk around demanding forgiveness. And so they can't literally can't understand this and they don't understand what forgiveness means. And I was in a, um, I posted about this and there is a, um, young, arrogant, <laughs> I say this as someone who is, I was very arrogant when I was this person's age. So, okay, I'm not leaving myself out of this, <laughs> but this person's young and arrogant the way you are when you're very young and you think you know everything. And he's a leftist and he um, was trying to, I don't know what he was trying. I guess he thought he was trying to like get me in something. He, so he's like, you know, how many SJWs have you forgiven? You know, SJWs deserve your forgiveness. And I was like, well, he's demanding forgiveness now. Exactly. He's <laughs> demanding forgiveness and that's what they do. And I said, no, no, you, you, you basically don't understand anything about forgiveness, just like the authors of these pieces. And you don't even understand what I'm saying. Cause I just said like three comments ago, nobody deserves forgiveness. SJWs don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve forgiveness. Nobody's ever forgiven me because I deserved it. You know, that's, that wouldn't be worth anything. An apology that you give because someone demanded it, that's not worth anything. Who even wants that apology? I don't want an apology because- It's not real. It's not real. And right. so, but I they mean, don't- Actually, you, you see that with kids, right? And kids know that it's not real. When like, when I, I, this is a bad parenting thing, so I'm not saying to do it, but when you're like, Johnny, apologize to Sally or whatever it is. It's like, I don't want to. Johnny, say the words. It's like, I'm sorry. Like everyone, like, it's not real. Sally knows Johnny's not sorry. Right? Yeah, but, but SJWs are like, they forget that or something. They're happy. They, because for them, it, again, they don't give or receive real true apologies to forgiveness. I don't think many of them do. And so it's all about performative stuff. They want you to, they want, it's about control. They want to force you to apologize because now they control you, not because that apology is worth anything. They don't care if it's real or not. If you give a real apology, they couldn't care less. Um, yeah, I, and so... And so the forget, but so the forgiveness thing with him, it was funny because he was like, um, you know, SJWs deserve your forgiveness. I'm like, no, they don't. But if you insist on making this uh, a thing, uh, there are probably there are some SJWs, uh, yes, who I've forgiven for personal wrongs that have nothing to do with their ideology. By the way, <laughs> just from right. me being friends with them and be, being wrong by, and there are other people who happen to be SJWs who I've probably not for forgiven yet for some personal wrongs against me. Um, but that's very few people because it's like people, you know, who personally wronged you. Most SJWs, almost all of 99.99% of SJWs, I haven't needed to forgive for anything because they haven't personally wronged me. Like this kid is, I'm like, why don't you ask me a real question? Like, have I forgiven my mother? Right. <laughs> <laughs> He was well, like, he didn't touch that. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, I want to point out one other thing, though. I don't think the social justice, so I think one other thing that you're seeing is the social justice is about um, tearing down of Western civilization. It's specifically anti-white 
that's part of the, that's why like the word people of color, what does it really mean? It means not white, right? It's not, it's not another way to say black or Hispanic or Latino or Asian or whatever. It just means non-white. So it's, it's setting up a, it's setting up a model of the, the world in which there's whites and non-whites and the whites are the evil ones and they're the ones we need to bring down. And so I think one of the things that happens here is they, they are very sensitive to the idea that whites can ever be forgiven for anything because if there is a path to absolution um, for any white ever, then it means that there's a potential path to absolution for whites generally and their entire uh, agenda is built on the idea that, Carrie, you will forever and always be responsible for slavery and your whiteness and you're always guilty and we're going to use that against you forever. And if there's any path towards absolution for you, that needs to be immediately fought. And so a part of this is like, I don't think, I think this is a threat to them. The idea that someone who has white skin could be forgiven for something ever is seriously disturbing to them because it undermines their agenda. Absolutely. And you see that in this, this is the legacy media guys. This is the Washington post. You see that in this article, the very next um, paragraph after they say forgiveness should, should neither be demanded nor assumed. No, it shouldn't. And you guys are the ones who believe that it is and don't understand this because forgiveness was given. I guess it must've been demanded. No, it wasn't demanded. That's right. the point. Um, the very next paragraph is a society built around white superiority. I'm sure glad we don't live in that world. Yeah. This person wants society to pretend that. that we do. Yeah, exactly. This person wants to live in a world where white is superior, but they want that narrative to be true. A society built around white superiority is also built around white innocence an assumption of the intrinsic moral virtue of all white people and the purity of their intentions, regardless of impact. White innocence assumes black forgiveness. Okay, we don't live in that world. In fact, I didn't see a spate of opinion pieces talking about white innocence here and how blacks should better forgive this murderer. I saw a spate of opinion pieces going, how dare this black person forgive this white person? And dear white people, don't you go thinking that black people deserve, you know, owe you an apology. Why, who would think that? <laughs> who would look well, at this story and think that? They, just really quickly, the yeah. other point of this is aside from them not understanding, they don't understand forgiveness. They don't understand apologies. They also, um, this shows you their, we've talked about this before, but ideology is like a lens that you use to view the world. It's like a pair of glasses that you put on. This particular ideology, SJW ideology, requires them, requires them to look at everything through this lens of what race are you, what sex are you, what sexuality are you, are you oppressed or are you the oppressor? They don't look at you as an individual. They look at you and they, it's basically like they're a computer that's looking at you going, do, 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 do. like you check off this box and this box and this box and this box and that's who you are. You're in this group and this group and this group and this group. And so they look at these stories and they see a story about black people and white people. Yep. I would argue that G that, uh, um, Mr. Gene Brant, Brant Gene, the brother yep. here, I would argue that he and other people, people who are not SJWs, people who follow Christ, but also people who don't, who are just not SJW. I would argue they look at a story like this and they don't see black people and white people. They see people. I, I, who, I didn't. When I first saw the picture, I it didn't occur to me. I mean, it should have occurred to me because of all that we talk about. But yeah, when I first thought, thought, thought saw the picture, I was like, "Wow, a brother forgave the person yes. who killed his brother." Yes. Wow, that's what I was thinking. Yes, and they then, look at course, this story. They look at this story and they see a person who's capable of forgiving, <laughs> and a person who is not deserving of that forgiveness. And they say, wow, I can't even imagine. That's like a remarkable, unfathomable thing. I wonder if I could do that. They see a person who forgives and a person not deserving. They don't see black people and white people. That's not what this story is about. Right. Okay. I'm done with my rant. I know I kept cutting you off. I just want to make that point. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. Uh, I, I totally agree. I just, you shared a bunch of articles on this and we're not going to share them all, I think, because there's just so many. But there's a line in, in one of these that, uh, speaks to what you were just saying about this idea that uh, there's white innocence and um, 
and uh, you know that th there's a racist society built on white innocence. So this is a this is a blog post by someone who I believe she's white. Actually, I don't even know. Yes, she. she is a white SJW Christian, which again right. I think is a, a misnomer. Right. So she writes again, dear white people, colon. So you can you know exactly everything you need to know about the article after, as soon as you see those. But so down here in the article, just read one sentence of it. So she's talking about um, forgiving generally, and she's using the example of Jesus uh, dying on the cross and saying, Father, forgive them. And she says, side note, all of you chomping at the bit to inform me that Jesus' crucif crucifixion slash lynching was not political because he was dying for our sins, need to hold off until you read some of my upcoming posts about the racist roots of Anselmian substitutionary atonement theory. Yes, of course, that's very important. But, um, but she also says, all of you who similarly want to say we are all equally guilty as sinners regardless of race need to read a history book. So the implication here is that we are not equal uh, as sinners regardless of race. What she is saying is, that history books apparently conclusively demonstrate that only the white people are, or at least the white people are much more sinful than people of color. That's, that's what, what SJW, that's what SJW um, Christians are trying to push in the church right now. Right now that clearly is racist. First of all, it's also not true. White people, because we live in a largely white uh, world uh, in, the Western, in the Western world. Because Western culture was, you know, European, largely. Um, a lot of the history books that she's talking about were written about Europe and pre-Europe. And, like, they're written about the rise of Western civilization. So the sins that you read about are those sins. But... Go read about some Chinese history. You'll notice that Chinese sinned a lot as well and murdered people. Go look, explore the history of tribes all around the world of various colors and their warring. Look at the Native Americans. Look at their, their war, not all of them, but warring, human sacrifices, cannibalism, rape, slavery. None of that's unique to the white race. None of it is unique to the white race. It's a human condition. It's a, yes, and, and the Arab slave trade was much bigger than the European slave trade. The, 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 the triangle the, to America, the trade to America. The Arab slave trade was much bigger. I don't think Arabs count as white by the social justice definition of white. So the idea that, that white people are somehow more more guilty by virtue of their whiteness is not only factually inaccurate, but it's obviously racist. And, but they go, they go so far as to say this, she's saying this explicitly here, which I'm just fascinated. That she, she that, like to me, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm fascinated with SJW ideology creeping into the church right now, because I agree with my friend, Tim uh, Dukeman, actually, he posted some of these pieces and I pulled some of the stuff he had to say about them when I shared it, because he's like, and Samuel Say, who we got to interview and deprogram to everybody. If you haven't seen that interview, it's a great interview. We should link it. But I, I totally agree with the two of them, which is that you can serve one master. You can choose the gospel of Jesus Christ, or you can choose the gospel of SJWism, but you can't choose both. And if you think that you've chosen both, one of those is up here and one is down here. What is the lens through which you're looking at everything? This woman is looking at everything through SJW ideology, not through the words of Christ. In fact, she's taking the words of Christ and then saying, but, <laughs> right. like, and also the Washington Post did this. Look, the Washington Post goes, um, some people are celebrating Brandt's gesture of forgiveness such a sentiment is praised as an admirable example of Christian faith in action. Well, it is. It is admirable. And it is an example of what Christ would do. And that's what I, when I talk about Christianity, I don't mean the organized religion so much. I mean, like, what, did, what would Christ do? Mm -hmm. what, how would Christ behave? That's all. So uh, the Washington Post goes, of course, Jesus urges his followers to forgive. And then it gives the quote. 
uh, forgive us our debts. You, you guys know that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. From a certain perspective, Brant is simply following the dictates of his conscience and his faith. From a certain perspective, from, from his word, that's what he says. Well, but, but social justice warriors are omniscient and they're going to know the other perspective that's correct. Tell us what it is. Oh, okay. From a certain perspective, he's just following the dictates of his conscience and his faith. I mean, that is what he tells us. Right. But what must be understood, I love this. They're so arrogant. They're always here to teach us, guys. But what must be understood is that when tragedies such as the murder of a black man by a white police officer occur, there again, there again is that narrative they're trying to put this in. Right, right. They aren't just felt by one black person. The black community feels the impact. Okay, bullshit. I'm sorry I'm cursing, but bullshit. Don't tell me. You don't get to speak on behalf of the black community. There are black people who would, the brother here would probably not agree with you. There are people, you are a collectivist and you are trying to make this about groups of people. And, and you're, not, you're not elected to speak on behalf of that group of people. And I hate it. I hate it because it's like, it's a very subtle trick they do where they will, in the middle of an article or argument or anything, they will pick up this mantle of I'm speaking on behalf of all of these people. No, you're not. Your words should have enough weight that you can speak for yourself. Don't try and speak for, you don't deserve, you don't, you don't deserve that. You don't, you're not backed up by the weight of this community. I get yeah. angry about it. It's just, I no, get, and it's, it's feel, painting, it's painting see, the whole community as victims. They're all victims now based on that, right? Exactly. It's painting a whole community as victims. You should see the way I get worked up about it when people do it about women. And the, I've read articles <laughs> like this where people do it about women. It's felt by every woman. F you. <laughs> it's not felt by every woman. Yep. No, I, you know, I would, the only caveat I would say is when I see an innocent person suffering or murdered, uh, it's felt by me a little bit, depending on how well I know them. Like, oh, that's sad. It impacts me a little bit. Yes. Regardless of race, sex, gender, anything else. That's, yes. That's called being human. We look at another human suffering and go, oh, that doesn't make me feel good. I don't like that. I don't like I don't like innocent people dying, whether they're uh, Obama's victims of Drone Tuesdays uh, over in the Middle East or whether it's this guy or whether it's a white person that's victimized. Part of being human is looking at other humans that are suffering and feeling empathy. That's exactly. I mean, yeah. Duh. Duh. I'm sorry. I'm mad. (laughs) But that doesn't make the black community any more of a victim here than me. Or anyone else in any other color. We all saw an innocent person get murdered. Yes, let me continue, though. Let me continue, because this person is speaking on behalf of the group. Oh, sorry. I forgot. Black grief is a community project. (laughs) It is felt widely. In the sense that she's working on it every day to try and gin it up. Yeah. It's a project. It's a project. It is felt widely, but dealt with individually. Some go to therapy. Some participate in demonstrations. Others write op-eds. Everyone is entitled to their own process. As Brandt stated, he speaks for himself. So basically, again, this is this idea of um, they, they are collectivists until, until you don't speak what they want you to speak, and then you're an individual. Right. So she's happy to say Brandt speaks for himself. But I speak Brandt, for everyone. I speak for the black community, but Brandt <laughs> speaks for himself. Because <laughs> Brandt is honest. Brandt's honest. Yeah. If Brant Brant was an SJW, he would have said, on behalf of all black people, and then whatever whatever he was going to say after that. Right. (laughs) Brant is an individual, guys, because Brant is not speaking for the community. Um, (laughs) No one should expect swift mercy from every black person. Who does? This is a straw man argument. Who expects swift mercy from, oh, there's a black person. I'd like to have some mercy, please. Um, I'm sorry, Carter. I'm not angry at you. I'm, I sound angry. No, I don't think you're angry at me. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the risk of offering such speedy forgiveness. Okay. So basically she's judging Brant for forgiving this woman. She's saying the risk of him offering such speedy forgiveness. She, she doesn't want him to forgive. Oh no, they're pissed that he does, but they can't say anything directly about him because he's black and he's a victim yes oh and by the way i keep saying she this is a he this is a this is a uh an sjw marxist you you should read the rest of his pieces they're all like this well are his Um, uh but if his pronouns aren't there i'm gonna assume it's a she (laughs) 
Okay. Okay. Um, okay. No. And the risk, the risk of Brandt, that's what's not said, but that's what he means, offering such speedy forgiveness is that not nearly enough attention is given to the injustice itself. I don't know if you saw the Babylon Bee headline, but it said, uh, uh, forgiveness threatens to uh, ruin outrage. It was something hilarious. It was like, yeah. To yeah. draw attention away from the outrage culture or whatever it is. Right, right. Forgiveness yeah. threatens to draw attention away from outrage culture. <laughs> like, that's what this guy's saying. He's also, like, just to be clear, the original murder got a hell of a lot of attention. I saw way more about that than I did about this. Oh, absolutely. The only thing I saw about this forgiveness was just piece after piece after piece by legacy media people telling us why it was wrong that he forgave this woman. And yeah. making it all about race and fundamentally un- misunderstanding what forgiveness is about anyway, and just being angry. So when I see, and when you, and I think when other like non-SJW caring people, people who are animated by something else, not by SJW ideology, you see this and I see something that I aspire to be. I wish, I don't know if I would be able to do that. I, I, it, Maybe I could, but it would take me a very long time, probably, if I could. Like, I have this, this, uh, uh, this is going to sound, allow me to speak about God for a second. This is going to, to anyone who's not a Christian, Carter's not, Carter's an atheist, but he puts up with me, he talking about stuff Hey, like you don't know this yet, but I've got some Bible stuff to talk about, so you go ahead. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Well, well, on Friday, when I was arguing with this um, person about this, who has a misunderstanding about forgiveness and is... Like, so-and-so deserves you. I'm like, no, they don't. That's the whole point. It's like, if you choose to offer it, like that's because you've managed to get past, past resentment or anger over them wronging you or whatever, right? So as often as the case, I find the minute I start preaching about something or being like, you know, this is what I believe, right. God or the universe, whatever you like to believe, God gives me an opportunity to practice it. It's almost like, oh, I heard you talking a big talk this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a chance to put that in action. Let's see if your behavior reflects your big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and so later that day on Friday, um, or Saturday, it was a Saturday, yeah. Later that day on Saturday, uh, I, had a, I had this guy, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but this guy just treated me like crap for no reason. He Maybe he was having a bad day, I do not know, but he was a total jerk to me. And I was trying to help him and understand what he was so upset about. And he just took everything out on me for whatever reason. It was a total, uh, and so <laughs> I mean, it was like, I was, and it's it, while I was in it, I was, re- I was noticing and I had to laugh and I was recognizing, okay, here's a chance for me to offer forgiveness <laughs> today in this small way to this person who's being a total butthead. <laughs> and can I do it? Can I set aside my resentment, and my anger? And give that to God or let that go in whatever way you let that go, right, in your life. Let that go and, and say, set it aside and say, no, you don't deserve forgiveness, but I'm giving it to you because it's better for me and for you and let's move on. Yep. And yep. I don't know if I've achieved that yet. That was on Saturday. What's today? Tuesday? I think we'll find <laughs> out later today how that's going. Based I think on we'll find out later today. Going, going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's my personal story about forgiveness. But I, maybe other people have noticed that in their lives. The minute you start saying, well, I believe this and really thinking about it. And then the, then there's like an opportunity for you to actually practice what you preach. I think that's great. I think it's kind of funny. Well, you got me, you actually got me thinking about forgiveness because I have, I had kind of two thoughts. I had kind of, uh, I don't know, competing opinions uh, in my head about forgiveness and so I decided to just look up the definition in the dictionary, and I looked up the Greek words in, in the Bible verses that are being cited. Um, of course you did. I love this. Okay, what did you find? The atheist, the atheist has strongest concordance of the Bible on his shelf. Uh, so, although it's probably online now. This, this is how old I am. I have big books. So, um, I... <sighs> The dictionary, there's a lot of different definitions in the dictionary for forgiveness. And, but I, I tried to boil it down. I looked at, I kind of summarized them and I looked at, there's two basic categories. One of them, one of the categories of the word means 
to absolve people from or release them from obligation and consequences, like forgive a debt, forgive them from obligation consequences. Like it's kind of more absolution. The other definition of forgiveness is really about ceasing to feel resentment against the other person, right? Which is, yes. much, more, which is much different. Much different. I, did, I didn't know. I'm so glad you looked this up because I didn't know that. I just, I just know it though. Like I know it in my gut. That's right. What, so that's what was bothering me because I, I felt like there was two different definitions here and there are kind of two different categories. And as an atheist, uh, let let me just, I, you and I might not agree on this. I have kind of a nuanced version of, of this. I do believe in the second kind of forgiveness. Like it's healthy to cease feeling resentment against people. However, um, I don't think that ceasing feeling resentment means that you need to absolve them of consequences. And it doesn't mean you need to make yourself vulnerable again. So the example that I'll use is if you have someone in your life who's toxic and they've harmed you over and over and over again, right? Um, in some way. Just imagine it might be a family member, for example. But uh, <laughs> someone who's harmed you over and over and over again, right? You can get to a point where you forgive them in the sense of not feeling resentment against them anymore. But it's not necessary for you to reinsert yourself in a relationship with them make yourself vulnerable again, re-expose yourself to the toxicity and allow them and allow like to have that relationship healed in the sense of like, go back to the way it was. So you're again vulnerable and they've not suffered consequences there. I, again, this is as an atheist, this isn't a Christian perspective, but for me, uh, I think that the not feeling resentment anymore is very healthy. And that's, that's something that you should, should strive to do. But, but I think, one of the things that I'm, I worry about is that I see a lot of people harm themselves by forgiving someone too lightly, not in the second sense of stopping feeling resentment, but in repairing everything and bringing that person back into their lives, restoring their status, and just again being vulnerable. And that's something that predators will use against you time and time and time again. You make yourself vulnerable, they, they use you and hurt you, you forgive them and let them back, they use you and hurt you again. That cycle will continue and it's nothing but self-harm and it's actually, you're not helping the good, you're helping an evil jerk continue. I, I think if you want to give that kind of forgiveness, if you want to have the, the relationship repaired and become vulnerable again, that requires action on the other person's they need to do restorative action. They need to say, yes, you know what? I, I went to therapy for five years to figure out why I was beating you. And I resolved these issues and I did this thing and this thing and this thing. And I'm going to do anything I can to make it up to you to get back into the position that we once had together in some, whatever relationship that is. That all, that all needs, that's all work that the, the aggressor needs to do in order for the quote forgiver to forgive them on that level, but you can forgive them by releasing resentment without their involvement. Um, and those, I want to make that distinction because that's how I view it. So I'm very big on not feeling the resentment, but I'm not so big on quickly granting absolution and um, getting rid of consequences. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I actually agree with you. Okay. Well, getting rid of the resentment doesn't require, and I, you, you weren't the only one, but I've had a couple friends in my life who've had to make this point very clear to me <laughs> that just because I've forgiven someone doesn't mean I have to keep them in my life and let them behave in that way to me again. But a lot of people, I think, conflate those two and they think that once you've forgiven, and especially the, the bad person, the aggressor will be like, if you've forgiven me, baby, take me back, right? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah. Forgiving does not mean restoring the relationship to its previous status. It doesn't mean it, making yourself vulnerable again. Yeah. You can forgive a person without having to marry them. Yeah. I mean, just a, <laughs> you know, the, the classic example, uh, you're in a relationship, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend hits you and, and beats you regularly and you break up because you realize that's dumb. You shouldn't be in a relationship like that. So you break up. Good for you. You go to therapy. You can forgive them in the sense of you don't feel resentment against them anymore. You can let it go. But you shouldn't invite them over for a dinner date. 
Like, unless they have gone and, and, and behavior like that requires a hell of a lot of evidence that they have changed fundamentally as a human being before you should open yourself back up um, to that kind of, you know, to being a victim. But I was curious about the Bible because I saw um, uh, Matthew 6, 12 through 14 was quoted all in, in these articles. This is the, and, and forgive us our debts, we forgive our debtors, blah, blah, blah. It's the, it's the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I also saw some quotes, uh, Mark eleven twenty five. and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven also may forgive your trespasses. So I was wondering in Matthew and Mark and other places, what, what word is being used? I focused on the New Testament. I didn't look at the Old Testament. Um, but in both Matthew and Mark, they use the same Greek word. It's, uh, forgive my Greek, ephemi. And it means to send forth, which is kind of odd. Um, and the description is cry, forgive, forsake, lay aside, leave, let alone, omit, put, send away, remit, suffer, or yield up. I'm not sure that gives me any clarity on which kind of forgiveness that's intended. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know what that means in terms of those verses. If you're a Christian, what, what kind of forgiveness you're being asked to do? I don't know if it's ceasing to feel resentment. Because you could say um, laying aside is maybe laying aside your personal feelings and leaving alone, letting alone, omitting. Those could all be leave aside personal feelings. Um, but uh, remit kind of sounds more like you're absolving them of consequences somehow or like uh, you know, suffer and yield up. Those, I, so I'm not, I'm not sure, but I just wanted to throw that out. The other one is, the other one that was quoted in some of these articles is 2 Corinthians 2 verses 5 through 7. And it says, and that this one is, I think, more relevant. But if anyone has caused grief, if he, ha, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe, this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man, so that, on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up by too much sorrow. Um, that actually sounds to me... Uh, that seems to me more directly inspirational to the brother. Like that kind of a thing is a is very uh, reminiscent of, or, or uh, very related to what this was happening here. And that word is charizomai. Again, sorry about the Greek. Um, and that means to grant as a favor, uh, gratuitously in kindness, pardon or, or rescue, deliver, frankly forgive, freely give or grant. So I'm not sure, I don't know that this helps. Maybe it will help someone think about, if you're a Christian, what, what these things are. But I, Carrie, does that, I know this nuts is not conclusive. Does that clarify anything to you? Because it doesn't clarify anything to me at all. No. Okay. I mean, what's your specific question? <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, if those are the two types of forgiveness, which is the Bible talking about here? And I'm not sure. I don't know what the answer is. And I'm, it doesn't matter so much to me personally because I'm not Christian. But, um, you know, if we're talking about releasing someone from consequences or ceasing to feel resentment. No, I don't think the Bible asks us to release people from consequences. No. Okay. The Bible asks us, no, that is not what I feel in my gut. And that is not what it is about letting go of those ill will, those feelings of ill will and those feelings of resentment. It's like, um, that's it, how you'd interpret both of these words is letting yes, go. it does okay. you no good and it does them no good. And, um, it, it doesn't mean that you want revenge. Consequences are not the same thing as revenge. Revenge is based on, is based on that resentment that you still hold. Yes. It's two different things. Like, uh, so I don't, yeah, I guess I didn't really understand what you were asking. Well, no, I, w I was just, uh, I was just exploring because I, I wanted to understand what the Bible was telling people to do, what, which of those versions of forgiveness was actually being articulated in the Bible. And I can't tell, maybe someone who is- You've heard of forget, but not forget, right? I mean, it seems kind of common sense, duh. Like, yeah, I, I mean, common sense you, wise, I think- it, But yeah. not forget what you did. Like, I'm not going to be a dummy and let you- do it again. I mean, I have. We all, we all have. <laughs> but that's not the behavior to strive towards. What is it? The scorpion and the frog? Remember yes, that? Yes, I love that. Uh, that is the one of my favorite little parables. 
so Aesop's Aesop's fables, guys. I know I, we may have talked about the Scorpion and the Frog once before. I think we did, but for anyone who missed it, Scorpion and the Frog is basically it's basically the 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 scorpion asks the frog if he can ride on his back across the river, and the frog says, "But how do I know that you won't sting me?" And the scorpion's like, "Well, if I sting you, we're both going to drown and die." So. Why would no, I do that? I'm not going to, why would I do that? And the frog says, okay, you know, you can ride on my back across the river. And so the scorpion gets on his back and when they're halfway across the river, the scorpion stings him and they both drown. And as they're drowning and dying, the frog's like, why did you sting me? And the scorpion's like, because I'm a scorpion. It's in my nature to sting you. <laughs> <laughs> right. that's, that's, that's a great little fable. It's a great little fable because I hear that and I'm like, oh, yeah, don't be the frog again. The frog who's like, well, maybe this time the scorpion won't sting me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <sighs> All right. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else we want to say about the, the, the great hugging scandal of 2019. But, the great uh, forgiveness <laughs> scandal. The great forgiveness scandal. I mean, yeah. I just I have uh, a couple of other things I, would, I do want to say, and I know we have to go. Here's some here's some ways to set yourself apart from SJWs. They don't understand forgiveness and they don't practice it. Not true forgiveness. They don't understand apologies and they don't practice it. Not true apologies. Um, they also, I was reading this uh, Jung quote this morning. It was, uh, and you know, Jordan Peterson talks about Jung a lot, which makes sense to me because he talks about working on yourself a lot and this quote was uh, resistance to the organized mass can be affected only by the man who is as well organized in his individuality as the mass itself. And that to me is like, look, collectivists, they focus on groups. They focus on the outside rather than the inside. They focus on the exterior rather than the interior. They focus on organizing groups and everything they do. They, they look at people as what groups they're a part of. And when I say they look at the exterior, that come, that's for themselves and other people. They look and they say, what race are you? What sex are you? What sexuality are you? That's what's most important about you. And that's not what's most important about you or any person. Individualism is the opposite. Individualists don't look at you and say, what groups are you in? What do you look like on the outside? An individualist is like, what's the content of your character? Um, you know, how kind are you? How do you behave in the world? Do your, does your behavior match what you claim your beliefs are about? If you look at SJWs, their behavior doesn't match their beliefs, what they say their beliefs are. They say they're against racism and sexism, and they like to claim that. They claim it like they have some moral high ground. They don't. Look at their actions. Look at what they actually put out into the world, and you can see what they truly believe. They are not against racism. They are not against sexism. They've con convinced themselves they are, some of them. Um, but uh, but they look at they look at every they look at the exterior and that's not just in relation to like what you look like and you know um, all your immutable identity characteristics. They also look at the exterior when it comes to trying to fix things. Like they focus on the exterior, they focus on things outside of themselves. Like I, the, everything would be great if I could just fix all of you people and fix the world and like. That Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, and I think he gets a lot of that from Jung, which is like, it's better, the way to fix the world, if you want to fix the world, the way to fix exterior things is to fix yourself first. Like, focus on the interior. That's a little universe that you can control, that you can try and learn to master control of it. And I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I saw no, that. I'm glad and, you brought it up. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah, and, and so that, when you learn how to fix yourself and you learn how to work on yourself, stuff like forgiveness, stuff like apologies, all that stuff, that's related to working on yourself. That's, that's something that's much harder to do than running around on Instagram talking about, do you follow this knitter? She's a problematic knitter. And, you know, those, they, they are such busy bodies. They have very little self-awareness. And all they're doing is focusing on exterior things and who to blacklist and who to mob and who to shame and who to target. Um, they don't do a lot of inner work. They don't understand forgiveness. They don't understand apologies. I know I've said that several times, but again, if you want to beat them, if you want to beat collectivists, the way to do that is, to, is with individualism. And the way to, to, to enact individualism in the world is to work on yourself as an individual 
and become a better version of yourself or try to be the best version of yourself. I, I am preaching to myself right now because I know I've got to go deal with that forgiveness issue later. <laughs> well, you don't have to put yourself back in the same situation. You just have to let go of your resentment. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, the, the, I think this is actually true for busy bodies in general. I think the busybody energy, um, this is just my theory, right? I'm not Carl Jung. Uh, my, <laughs> my theory is that the, the busybody energy, it's pent up energy that is uh, properly should be used uh, to focus on yourself, right? This is the energy of like self-examination, but, but for some psychological reason, they uh, really want to avoid self-examination. And so what they do is they just, turn that energy towards other people examination. And so they, if you'll notice, social justice warriors often assume that they know motives. They assume that they know intent. They, they are hypercritical of everything. I mean, you know, the new knitters don't have to, that, that just joined don't have to be told this because they see it in action. They're hypercritical of every little thing everyone else does. Um, and they ascribe motives and they act like they're omniscient. Um, all that is energy that a, a healthy person is directing inside into themselves um, and trying to figure out how I can be better and what, you know, how I can prove, what are the areas that I'm failing at? Um, what are my flaws? But they're, for some can, psychological reason, they're, they're, they want to avoid that. So the way to avoid it is to just turn that, turn that microscope from internal to external and start examining everyone around and they and they that's how they get away with for so long getting people who actually do self-examination work who are maybe naive about this ideology they'll use that they'll say well what about this and this and you and you and you need to do and some people who uh, are very self-critical and very self-aware will be like they actually engage in good faith and examine themselves and say well let me take what they're saying into account and <laughs> they they uh, using your virtue against you. They use your virtue against you. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um, so anyway, it's also just important little... to just to just to recognize. Like, I know this sounds trite, but Carrie, this this is another example of this that I I feel like we need to underscore this. SJWs always project. Yeah, it's it's, it's inevitable. Whatever they're saying. It's just, it's just, it seems to just be projection. I mean, I'm sure there's instances where it's not, but nine times out of 10, it's just projection. So if you see someone arguing something, instead of taking it personally, look at it as it is. It's an expose of their inner, this is, that's their inner self. Yeah. It's like the woman I was arguing with who says um, it's impossible not to see color. Do you know why she says that? Because it's impossible for her not to see color. And, the, and a lot of times the ones who come forward and say stuff like uh, Morgan Spurlock, let's take him for example. He said some stuff about me too and women, and he, but he basically, he couched his own issues and things that he's done to women in this broader men are like this see and it's like no right you are like that right you are like that and you can't you don't get to say men are like this because i'm like this but that's what they do that's what sjw's do they will reveal to you a lot of what they're about everyone's unconsciously racist are you unconsciously racist is that what you're telling me it is it is but but they assume everyone's like them and um they uh the other thing i want to say well now this is making me think of this uh one of the one of the uh, one of our new viewers, who's a knitter, I saw her asking in a thread, like, I don't understand this. It was sort of like how dark that it could be. And it was about some of them wishing that Sokmatician would kill himself. Like this sort of just like very negative, toxic, dark heartedness. And I was saying, it makes a lot more sense if you start to see that the resentment that's underneath it and the hatred that's underneath it, um, they have a lot of dark emotions. And I think this goes back to something else Jordan, Jordan Peterson talks about, and I think it might come from Jung as well, which is um, um, recognizing your shadow self, recognizing your own capacity for evil. Uh, they don't do that. They think of themselves, they like to think of themselves as good people and they, they shut themselves off from looking at any of their dark desires and that stuff isn't examined. And so what happens to it is it, it comes out, it's going to come out and it manifests itself cloaked in social justice this viciousness and this hatred 
and this resentment and these really dark desires that they don't even want to acknowledge they have. That's why I think it's healthier to look at yourself and acknowledge the darkness. I think we all have light and dark. Acknowledge the dark parts of yourself because if you're not even, the people who scare me the most are the people who don't acknowledge that they have any darkness in them at all. <laughs> like, oh, I don't have any. And it's like, yeah, you do. And I can see it manifest itself in other ways. And I can see it come out and I can see it come out in the things that you say that you don't realize you're revealing about yourself. Um, yeah. But anyway, they have a lot of unexamined darkness. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and, you know, people new to the channel, like part of what we're doing here is, is we view ourselves as trying to fight a culture war here. And I, I just want to be clear. Uh, the social justice is an existential threat to Western civilization and our culture generally. It is a, it's not a minor n nuisance. It's not just an annoying thing that happens on Instagram uh, it is a vile anti-Western civilization ideology. It is gaining acceptance. It's gaining traction. It has the support of the cathedral, which by that we mean the uh, institutions, the media, government bureaucracies, academia. It has support of the cathedral, and it is pushing its anti-Western civilization agenda extremely loudly and extremely aggressively. And so it needs to be fought, and the only way to fight it is to stand up against it morally, not to, not to try and appease or ask for forgiveness or be quiet. It's to morally oppose it on moral grounds because it is, it is immoral. It's an immoral ideology. So thanks for watching. <laughs> uh, I like when things get a bit heavy. No, but he's right. It's it's funny because people are coming into contact with it in different ways and in different communities. Like there's the knitters and there's the Christians who are coming in contact with it, and there's the gamers who come in. Every sphere of human activity is coming into contact with this in one way or another. And there's a tendency to think it's just this little tiny. It's just this little thing, and it's just happening in this microcosm. It's not. It's like. It's like a, a ship hitting an iceberg. You just see the top of the iceberg above the water, but there's this massive thing underneath it. This is that mass. This is the iceberg. It, it is a belief system. It is an ideology. And it, it's an ideology that convinces people that they're good and that, it's, and that it is good. And that's really creepy because, I mean, you can get people to do all manner of horrible things if they think they're doing it in the name of justice. Yeah, it's a religion. It's, it's a religion. I'm doing this because this is for your, your good and for the good of all. And right. no matter if you don't want it, it's like if, you, if any of you are Game of Thrones fans, it's like uh, Danny at the end who's like, I know what's good and I get to decide. And she burns down the city with fire. Right. <laughs> but, it's, but she's good, guys. Right, just like Pol Pot, he knew it was good. He knew it was good. Um, so, well, okay, that, but, uh, on, on a lighter note, on a lighter note, book club. They're not a majority. They're just very loud. Oh yeah, they're not a majority yet. They're just very loud, and they hold a lot of powerful positions. Yeah. But um, let's let's we have to go. It's been a long one. Thank you guys for watching. Um, we have a date for book club. We're going to be doing a video announcement too, so you guys can share it if you want um, to let people know about it. This will be our third official Unsafe Space book club discussion, and we're going to be reading. Oh, I'm looking for it, but I don't have it. Oh, Out hey, of the American Mind by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. And we're going to be discussing We'll put a link this. to buy this below if you want to buy it. We get like, I don't know, a penny. We get a penny if you buy it through us, guys. <laughs> that penny is much appreciated. So uh, we have more than... We're going to give you more than a month because we didn't want to do it on the 10th just in case we have some people who are going to be at the Seattle Yarn Revolution. Knit Revolution? Yarn Revolution. The Yarn so, Revolution, yes. Right. So we're going to do it on Sunday, Sunday, November 17th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Texas time, and 8 p.m. Eastern time. Yes. And uh, how do they join, Carrie? Oh, and if you want to be a part of the video chat, you can just, we do, I don't know if you've seen the others, but we do them just like our live videos. You can be in the, the, the chat chat and you don't have to be on video. But if you want to be in the video discussion, send an email to speak at unsafespace.com and let Carter know that you want to get a link to be part of it. Yep, or you can join, you can also join Unsafe Space Book Club on Facebook and yep. tell us there, so. All right, thanks everyone for watching. Have a good 
uh, Tuesday. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, anything you can do to help support the show so that Carrie does not have to spend time with people who treat her horribly. And she can only <laughs> spend time with, with you. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. By the way, it's my birthday on Thursday and we're going to come up with something. Maybe Mikey will be our guest that day. We're trying to make it happen. <laughs> All right. Happy pre-birthday. Thank you. It's my All birthday. Right. Bye, everyone. Bye.